Hi, I'm Josh Smith and you're listening to the Sports Coaching Podcast with Sam Holmshaw. This particular podcast was originally recorded as a vodcast, so the listeners are recommended to view my guest mental and play models attached on the website during that part of the discussion. Thanks again for listening. Nice one. So welcome to the first edition of the uh, Sports Coaching Podcast with me, Sam Holmshaw. And on this very first edition of this historic moment, I'm joined by uh, one of my good pals from the Masters course, Mr. Josh Smith. How are you? Hello, mate. You all right? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Doing well in the uh, difficult situation that we're all in. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, to be honest, with the Masters going on, it's, you know, it's still head down. I suppose getting on with the work, so not changed too much for me, I suppose. Yeah, keeping occupied, same up here. So, Josh, you are the head coach of the uh, men's fourth rugby union team at Leeds Beckett. Yep. Very, very nice privileged role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Enjoying it? Um, yeah, it's been good. I mean, obviously the season came to um, a strange end. We, we were in a position where we were sat second, Um sort of building and building um, and then had one, one game to go, which was against top of the table. Um, and if we'd beaten them at, and it was at home, if we'd beaten them, we would have gone top and got promoted and obviously that got cut short. So, yeah. um, but a good season. Um, I think as well, I think what I, I kept saying to the lads as well every week is most of them were made up by first years. Um, so it was really interesting to see how quickly they adapted to university rugby and, you know, if they carry on with the way that they've gone in the next couple of years, they can really go some places. So, yeah, I think um, on a whole, it was a successful season. So, and, and, and really enjoyable for me as like the first time as, uh, as like a, a head coach role. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, I enjoyed it. Oh, brilliant. Cool. So, uh, thanks everyone that's got in touch then. And I've had a lot of people contact me about uh, my, my playing philosophy, my coaching philosophy. Uh, and, and interested to know about my play model. So I thought great way to start this first podcast then would be, or vodcast, should I say today, uh, would be to sort of go into what is a philosophy, uh, what sort of, where, where do our ideas come from, what do we do with these philosophies, what, what are play models, and, and how that really uh, influences our coaching. So, uh, Josh, then, do you want to start, I guess, guess what is a philosophy then, or what's a philosophy to you? Yeah, so I'd, uh, it was a bit difficult. I've, I've had this conversation and it's kind of popped up a few times across the whole of sort of the undergrad degree and I suppose in a master's and people sort of saying, you know, you should you should start to understand your philosophy. Mm. And for me, I didn't really understand it. So I went and looked to, to see what other people's philosophies were to try and nail it down. And I think a really nice one was Stuart Lancaster, um, you know, ex-England um, coach, sort of split it up into a coaching philosophy and a playing philosophy and your playing philosophy is sort of you know how, how do you want the players to play on a pitch how do you want them to do this that and the other which I'm sure we'll, we'll go on to later but mm. a coaching philosophy was more sort of a culture that he wanted to create um, and the values and, and sort of the way that everything other than um, specifically how you play the game went about so um, and, and also how players fit into that culture so a few sort of buzzwords that when I'd, I'd gone um, and researched and looked at other people's ones that sort of fitted me, which was the idea of, you know, no egos, hard work, respectful, um, tough, strong, resilient. You want team players as well. And these all sort of resonated with me and, and kind of what I wanted to look for in sort of the culture of the people that I, that I was coaching and, mm. and the environment. Um, 
but then also with that there were sort of basic things as well that in philosophy so um i suppose one a really nice example is the all blacks a few years ago came up with this idea that and i think that they uh, they follow it throughout whether you you know you're playing for the all blacks or you're a schoolboy rugby is good men make good all blacks um and so the idea that you know if you can be good in life and, and general and respectful and um, and how you go about that if you can take that into you know your sporting career mm. um and your, your, your way that you play the game, then, then you'll be a better rugby player for it. Um, and that's something that, you know, it's, it's thrown around in rugby a lot, but I think it's something that really tries to stick with me. If I can have, you know, good lads at training, enjoying it, respectful of each other, respectful of me as a coach, working together, then we'll get the best out of it. Mm. Um, and then I suppose a, a, another a little thing that we're kind of within that philosophy as well is, um, without going too specific into to sort of how I want to play the game, but more uh, from a technical perspective, is um, I like players that are you know proficient in multiple positions. So just a general good basic skill set, um, able to do multiple things. You know, you see the likes of England playing now, um, and you know some of, some of the front row lads that are kicking the ball, which. You know, it might, might be unheard of, but they've developed this skill set. I think that's something that perhaps, you know, people years ago might say, oh, no, you're a prop, you can't kick the ball. But actually, if we can um, if we can get these players to learn these, these varied skill sets, it's only better for, for the team, I think. So that's the kind of philosophy that I like, that if we can develop a range of skill sets across the whole team, no matter what position you are, then it's only beneficial. So that's kind of my philosophy from a culture perspective and also a technical, without going too much into to the, to the playing yeah, which we'll get on to a bit. Yeah, yeah, really interesting to... Uh, sounds like you've kind of sort of married the two together in a sense of, like, you're really looking at it from your culture, uh, but then you're specifically yeah. working with, essentially, adults, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I think it's that... It, as well, it's, it's a nice period from, with the lads that I'm working with, and obviously most of them are new to... Um, to university, most of them are first years. It's, it's an interesting time in their life. You know, they're, they're 18, 19, they just come to university, they've got yeah, a lot so of changes going yeah. on. So um, it's an interesting time, um, but I think it's also the best. You know, that's when they're there and probably enjoying, um, enjoying it the most, um, you know, without perhaps too much stress in the uni work. So, um, and I think that that's where the rugby you know, really shines through. And it's, um, it's interesting, yeah. I think um, the culture, I think, especially over the last few years, from maybe not myself, but from higher up, so, you know, the first team and director of rugby, yeah, yeah. they really wanted to set a certain culture about the club, um, which has been really interesting and, and how that follows through. And um, So, yeah, it's not it's not me saying this is my fourth team culture as much as it is. This is how <laughs> Leeds Beckett yeah. sort of operate as a, as a rugby culture. Um, so... That is quite visible throughout the, throughout the team. So. Yeah, 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 interesting. I mean, so like when I, I I was the same, I don't think I ever really, they, they mentioned it a lot, didn't they, in the undergraduate, and I don't think I ever really resonated with it. I never really believed you should have a philosopher. I always felt, right. just, just from my own experience, sort of coaching, going from coaching five-year-olds to coaching 18-year-olds, how could you have, because my understanding was it, it's one specific coaching idea, yeah, so, yeah, that's how I first. Yeah, interesting to hear how you've sort of, sort of put in your, the culture of where you're coaching at the minute, in yeah. the sense of so if you were to go, 
So I know you you were discussing, weren't you, about potentially uh, like working in a role of head of rugby at a school. So would your would your coaching philosophy change then if you went to a different? I don't know because different when you sort of think about oh, what's my philosophy? Does it change as much? I think a lot of those things. I'd like to think a lot of those things will stick with me through. You know, and perhaps thinking that you might not have a philosophy, but actually you do have a philosophy. It's yeah, just not knowing yeah, yeah. it's a coaching philosophy. Yeah, yeah. But that culture thing, you know, I think we all want hard work, especially in the sports that we play. That that idea of teamwork, team yeah, that, yeah. That playing together, resilient. It's these ideas that I feel that's the things you want to draw out in your philosophy from from your coaching. You provide an opportunity for these lads to show these sort of things and and become these sort of people that operate like that so yeah you, you're not treating them just as players eh? you're trying to basically teach them how yeah. to be better people aren't you which, which yeah exactly I think that that's really important for me um, and I've mentioned it a few times in my assessments this year is we get such a small time a week with them and um, you know but I know having played it at Beckett as well how important that time is for me with everything else that's going yeah, on you know yeah, you've yeah. recently moved away from home um, you know, big changes, you, you're suddenly looking after yourself financially, you might only get a few hours a week of rugby. If that can be a time when you cut off from everything else and just enjoy your rugby with your mates um, and you can, you know, and you develop as a person, then then that, as a, if I can do provide that opportunity as a coach, and I've done my job, um, to give them that opportunity. So, you know, it's just as much about creating these, you know, and, and providing them with an opportunity to be a good person, as much as it is, as how, how much can we improve the left-hand mm. pass or something? Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, that might be specific to my um, situation, but um, I think that that's something that's just as important because of the nature of where they are and, and the time, the timing of where they're at. Yeah, and I think a lot of coaches, in, and I'd probably put myself in that bracket, <clears throat> probably, you know, who were coaching more in, in sort of the youth development phase, so so you know, 18 and, and, and younger, probably aren't even thinking about that sort of stuff of, of making them good good people and, and trying to teach yeah. them good values and stuff. So really interesting to hear how that's sort of really within your philosophy of not just trying yeah. to develop them as rugby players. And, and obviously we all want to win and want to come away and win the league, but also really yeah. trying to provide them some support. And like you say, it's, it's quite a difficult time when you've got lads, you know, coming from all over the country, really. Yeah, yeah, so they're coming from London like yourself, yeah, some up from Scotland. Cult. You realise different cultures, especially at Beckett, you've got lads from South Africa, yeah, Australia, yeah, yeah. really different um, environments, but um, but interesting. But I suppose as well, it, it comes from the idea, if you're brutally honest with your coaching, how, you know, how many players that you coach at that one time are going to go on and make it as a professional? And yeah, then yeah. actually, do you need to take a step back and go, yeah, yeah. what's the majority of these lads going to end up doing? If it's just here because they enjoy it and they want to play it, well, actually, well, let, let's make that the, the primary objective. Mm, yeah, that's got to be the first and foremost, yeah. and then and then you build on from that. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's looking in it and going, well, rather than what I want to achieve. Yeah. What 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 are these players here for? So. Uh, you, you spoke a bit about uh, what, a, what a playing philosophy is at, at the start of this podcast. So essentially, we know that a playing philosophy is really how the coach wants to play the game. So, and for me as a, as a football coach, it, it, it stems a lot from 
personally how I think it should be played in my own context, what I, I like to see, but also from a sort of youth development side. So what's your playing philosophy? What influenced that? Is it is it your context? Is it some of your beliefs? Is it how you believe the rugby game should be played? Yeah, I think um, what's interesting with it is, and I think my personal situation is the idea that I think um, in Leeds Beckett, for example, we, we currently run five or six teams on a, on a, on a Wednesday. And I think most of those lads, while they're in certain teams, probably want to play in the highest team possible. So my position at, at Beckett has been kind of, you know, this is how I want, this is my group of players and this is how I think is best that we play. Um, and obviously we'll, we'll go into that, but also it's kind of how do, how do the first team and the director of rugby see the club once we played? What's its ethos about Leeds Beckett rugby? Um, how do we want to be portrayed um, in, in our play? But also the idea that it doesn't matter if, and, it, and it's been seen that, you know, 15 players and 14 players, I can, I can list, you know, numbers off my hand easily that have played in those, those lower teams. Mm. And, you know, within six months have jumped straight through the teams, playing into the first team. So that's often helped by playing the same style, um, having the same calls, you know, and, and this same model, um, you know, in the idea that you're all singing off the same song sheet, yeah, yeah. whether you're in the fifth team or, or the first team, to allow these lads opportunities to jump up in training. You know, one week you can be with the fourth team, the next year with the second team, and you're automatically, you know, you know the calls and everything. So that's that's kind of the reason that's done. So that's also taken a little bit out of my hands in the way that the club want to play, the, the director of rugby sees um, the game that wants to be played. But mm. also, I then do get an opportunity with right, well, we've got a certain amount of calls and things, and how do I tailor that to, to my players that... Um, you know, so, so that their we get capabilities the as you like. within the structure, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I think that's quite um, unique to me in a way that, although I say I'm a head coach of the fourth team, it is very much prescribed by how the first team want to play as well. But also, yeah. I do get an idea of you know knowing that the majority of that squad will stay with me. Yeah. So I do get a certain amount of um, you know free reign as such. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense, like you say, if someone's being promoted and then they've suddenly got to play. I mean, we often, that's often the case in uh, sort of academy and, and first-team football. Yeah. Academies playing this possession-based style play, you get to the first team and it's just whatever, something long ball, and the players can't seem to cope. So yeah. it makes a lot of sense. But how much how much leeway then? So I know, I know you said the director of rugby so he's, he's, he's got this vision of or his philosophy about yeah, how, yeah, yeah. Played. How, how much leeway are you getting then in in terms of like adding your own twist onto things or is well, it yeah just quite a lot in a way that I know you know 90% of my lads you know they might jump up a team or drop down a team but never never too much and, and I'm fortunate enough that I coach with Harrison who who's kind of got this very clear model of how, how he wants to uh, to play um, but within those you know within that model is multiple options and it's, it's a lot based around what's the right decision mm. and giving those lads options for decisions. So it's not, you know, in this position you do this, it's those decisions and that's often based around what, what you've got available to you, whether that's players, you know, where you are, what, you know, maybe even the environment, things like that. So I suppose that's kind of how we tailor a training in a way that, that we get, we try and promote these, that you've got multiple decisions to make. So, for example, the first team might have a you know 
a large set of forwards that they might see an option to, to crash up the ball down the middle because you know they've got the weight over the opposition. Whereas you know in the fourth team that might be something we're lacking quite a lot of. So even though you know in certain parts of the pitch we want to break the line and, and, and progress the ball, we might do it separately. So the first team might look at smashing out through the middle, where we might then um, you know try and try and exploit them wide. Um, and really move the ball from, from width to width. So we're still playing the same game plan yeah. of, of trying to achieve the same things, but perhaps going about it different ways. Yeah, and that's probably um, that's probably going to link to your to your play model. I guess what we're what we're going to get. Yeah, into yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that's and, 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 and which then you know goes on to impact my coaching. So I'm sure we'll touch on that. But it's all it all has it's all relative to and it and it goes behind what you know what the core of I imagine. You know, me and you both know well the undergraduate degree and obviously the masters is is what are the individuals you've got. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that that once once you get a good understanding of who you've got there, then it becomes a lot easier to, to plan and adjust everything around. Yeah, and, and I think the big thing that probably I mean I know I've certainly learned a lot on the masters course is that it, it's it's all really dependent on your context, who are you yeah. working with. So, so mine, for example, I believe that we should train players in every single position because if not, I, I, I think that we limited them. But that's really yeah. coming from a, a youth development background. Now, if I was working yeah. coach of, of, a, of a first team with, with men that are 20 to 30, would I have that same playing philosophy? Probably yeah, not. Yeah, so, you try to tell a lad that's been a striker for 20 years that you want him to play yeah, left you, back. You go and play it back, son, yeah. So, yeah. And, and I think that's, that, that's a big sort of takeaway message I would say probably from yeah. having your coaching and playing philosophies what is your yeah. context what is your context yeah. and what's suitable for the culture uh, the players you've got uh, their capabilities and, and definitely age and, and, and gender I think is is massive really yeah scientific. I think what, what massively underpins that is you know, understanding them but also motivation yeah what are they there for why are they wanting to take part, what do they want to get out of it? Because you might have a lad that, you know, um, is in that development stage and, and wants to live but actually he only ever wants to jolly up with his mates. He only ever wants to play yeah. striker because, you know, that's where his, his, his uh, favourite professional plays and you might really, you know, and you're never going to get much out of that because you might try and tailor the, the motivation or open their up, you know, perhaps try and develop it in a way that, but, but you've got to be aware of the motivations of the individuals yeah. you work working with. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of experienced that at the start of uh, this season. We the junior football club I was working with uh, at the uh, so sort of August to October, we were trying to sort of play some good football, trying to really teach them some good tactics. And you know, they were fifteen, sixteen. They weren't bothered. They, yeah. They'd come from a background where they just wanted to turn up, have a couple of matches, and just play for a team, just to say. We're playing for a team at school, and that and that was a big lesson for me to really think. Well, rather than sort of me, you know, look look at me holding this master's flag. Look how good I am as a coach playing this yeah. great football. What what is it actually that the players want to achieve, and yeah, and, exactly. and, and and what are they there for? So yeah. So we'll, we'll move on then to uh, towards the playing model then. Uh, so I, I call it a playing model, just from uh, yeah. sort of my my background. But at, at uni, we're, we're, it's called a performance model, isn't it? Essentially, yeah. so 
you want to give a, a brief explanation of what that is and what it's for? Yeah, I mean, so you, you've kind of got the, the way that you, I suppose, split up into, into the mental model, which is perhaps the best way of achieving the outcomes or against the, the tactical problems, mm. I suppose. So these are the tactical problems that are set out in your sport, and they are tactical problems whether you're nine years old or, you know, or yeah, you're in the sim- in the simplest form, aren't they? Yeah, so, exactly. You know, like like, uh, like in football, one is how, how do I attempt to score? That's in its simplest form. That's that's the whole way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, and often you can kind of see they, they translate across multiple sports. Um, you know, yeah, the absolutely. idea. You know, a lot of team sports and invasion sports have very similar. Um, similar sort of tactical problems and once you've established those tactical problems um, and the most important ones then you can sort of go on to see well, well, how are those tactical problems then achieved or how is the best way that you then go about um, almost overcoming those problems um, so how is the best way that we score how is the best way we defend or progress the ball or something like that um, so that, that's kind of the, the idea behind um, performance models, mm. I suppose. Yeah. Nice one. Do you want to give us an insight on yours then, and sort of what yeah. what influenced yours, how you created it, and okay, cool. So I'll just uh, okay, cool. So mine sort of um, starts off here as a this is my sort of performance um, problems as such based on um, you know, there's a lot of Pam Richards work on this on. Um, but also what's, what I think is important is um, I've done it on the layout of a rugby pitch um, and I've kind of described that as these are the most important performance problems um, that need to be achieved in a certain part of the pitch as I see it. But also, you know, this has been generated from a lot of, a lot of literature reading as well, oh, and I suppose yeah. statistics um, and, you know, sort of trying to get a, a you know, a holistic view of, of these problems um, from a range of sources. So... Um, I've done it a lot based on with and without the ball, obviously in greens with the ball um, and in red without the ball. Um, so how do you, you know, the idea that in green you've, you uh, you want to recycle the ball and move it up the pitch and in red you, you've got to try and regain the ball as quickly as possible. Um, with the ball in your own 22 you want to gain territory and then progress the ball and then when you're in there 20, 22 you, you've really got to try and penetrate the defence and score. Um, without the ball uh, in the opposite direction, you want to maintain your territory in their 22, pressure the ball and turn over um, and deny score um, when you're in your own 22. And I think what's most important here is is what's in the middle, which is that contest ball. Yeah. This is all dependent on, you know, whether you are winning the ball, are you winning the contest, whether that's a ruck, a wall, a line out, um, you know, you're you tackling, um, you know, ha- you know how, how proficient are you in, in your tackling that, that idea yeah. of the contest really depends on the outcomes and what sort of problems that, that you go on to. So, um, so yeah, that's my my sort of mental model. Yeah, and, what, um, and what's brilliant like, with, with that as well is, you know, for me who's watched three rugby games in his life, two of them being varsity, uh, yeah. it, it, it really, really explains essentially what the game is. And, yeah. and it's I think it's very visually good how you've sort of pull it, so you're pulling it on the pitch. So yeah. and and essentially that's what it's there for, isn't it? To for anyone really to look at just yeah, the, no, these are the problems, the main problems that we're facing ta- from a tactical perspective in rugby. Yeah, and I think when I've spoken to people, you know, 
you know, Mike Ashford, you know, trying to, and he, you know, when I tried to talk about there. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and he, you know, and I've showed him once before and, he, and he's sort of looked at it and gone, you know, there's just too much on the page, it's yeah, too yeah. complicated. And I think that's the idea is you look at it and get a very basic understanding yeah, of, yeah. of what the game is about in, this, in its simplest forms. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some people might play this a little bit differently where, you know, they, um, but I think, you know, a lot of people can relate to this sort of style of, of, of tactical problems and stuff. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Um, so I'll go on to a little bit about my alpha version. So here was kind of the best ways that I went about. Um, so from, from, sorry, from these performance problems, um, how do we then achieve, um, you know, progressing the ball, gaining territory? Um, and I've sort of created an alpha version, which is the best possible way in which we can do it, but also very relative to my individuals that I've got. Um, so almost, you know, it can, can be called a beta version. Yes. Um, so... So, so just, um, just on that, Josh, just to uh, just for people out there that are probably watching in a bit like, what what does it mean? So what, what is an alpha version and what is a beta version? Yeah, so an alpha version would be your the best possible way in which you go about achieving those problems. So it might be, well, how, do we, how do we penetrate um, the defence and score? So you might go away and look at, right, well, New Zealand, you know, probably one of the most successful uh, international rugby sites, how do they demonstrate defence and score? So how do they then go about it? So you, you draw on something that, that might give you an idea about how the best way or literature, you know, when when teams have gained territory, how's the best way they've done yeah. it? So it gives you some well, sort what's of been proven to be the most successful way or whatever, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then from that, then, you know, Pam Richards talks about this idea of a beta version, which is, right, so this might be how the best team do it, but realistically, you're not working with the best team. Yeah. You know, for example, I'm working with Leeds Beckett fourth team. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, a, there's an obvious gap between yeah, yeah. the All Blacks and where I'm at. So is it reasonable to suggest that we do it exactly the same way? Not really. So it's then going about understanding what individuals you've got, the best way that you can go about approaching it to create then this beta version, which often is aligned with, you know, you've got to then go away and talk to the players that you're working with. This is kind of the way, and it's this idea of this integrated version mm. so that the whole team can know. So it's, um, you know, so from that, I've then gone away and, you know, for example, it's kind of this way that we then want to play. Um, so to progress the ball, you know, maintain the ball for five phases to create exposed gaps in the defence. Nothing too... Uh, but an idea that, you know, if we keep hold of the ball for, for five phases, you know, there are going to be gaps there. Um, but a lot of this came about from how did I create it was rather than looking at New Zealand and thinking, actually, that that's too far away to see as my alpha version. I went and looked at the first team at Leeds Beckett because yeah. realistically, they're all the same age. It might be a few years older, you know, if you had staying on for Masters and things, but, but we're in the same environment. You know, so actually it's not too far away and there are lads that have jumped from fourth team into the first team over the years. Mm. So it's not too much of a gap to say, this is the ideal how we do things. Um, so how can we kind of tailor that to it? So how do, how do the, so I went away and, and looked at a load of videos and how do the first team penetrate and score? Um, you know, when they regain the ball, what are they doing? Um, how are they pressurising and turning over the ball? So that gave me a clear alpha version, which then allowed me to create a beta version. Really? Which is kind of what, what you see here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of the, the way that that we kind of try and play um, play our rugby and follow a sort of system as such. So. so essentially, just 
what are then so this this model and I'm ju just for the people out there that haven't got the benefit of the knowledge we have so so you've got attack you've got penetrate and shoot and score and you've got what we might say is a principle that's like yep. what you want them to do in that phase so and I suppose yeah. getting in from a decision making point of view what what what's the, what's the purpose of it then the, the these models what what's it there for I suppose it's kind of an option, you know, it's, uh, I think, well, if I go on to my next slide, is then, then can create the idea of this sort of, um, this common language, yeah. which, which allows you to then go on to, um, you know, it allows you to then idea, understand what you want to do in that idea. So you've got focus points of attack. So we know that these are how we want to attack. And then we've got this stacked or spread idea of attack or, uh, how do we then, if we then, you know, hit the centre of the field, how do then we, we might then hit the back? So we then call the jack. So it's an idea of, you know, it gives them an idea, without having to pull out every time, you know, this is how we play rugby on the sheet. We can create a common language which represents certain things like that. Mm. Um, so line speed with numbers, we then call a hammer. So that means from 1 to 15, all the lads on the pitch know what, we, what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, which then, you know, Without saying it, it means well, if we're going to hammer, we're then going to get off the line, we're then going to put pressure on them, and we're going to try and turn over the ball. Yeah, we've represented all of that in one one term. Yeah, which I think is the is the main idea. Yeah, yeah, and essentially, I, I can remember back in November, I think uh, it, it was Man United. Uh, I think they'd lost to Newcastle, and one of the pundits were saying, you know, they get the ball in attack, or they get the ball in possession. Sorry, Man United, they don't know what to do with it, and essentially. The whole purpose of these models is to basically guide the player what to do, which then links to yeah. that style of play that that you want the team to go and achieve. Yeah. So, essentially, that's. I think, really, I think what's really nice about it is it isn't. I know for me, and I'm sure for the case of a lot of people, it's not as prescriptive as. Yeah. Right, you get the ball here and you pass it yeah, here, yeah. or you then must kick it here. Yes. Yeah. In this position, you know, these are the general objectives that we're yeah. trying to reach, and you've got. Yeah. You know. Depending on your perception, which I think often, you know, that's how we try and coach it is you've got these op opportunities um, to then make a decision uh, best to uh, achieve the, this objective. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, from one of the books I was reading on the tactical periodization, one of the author says that uh, we're not taking away that creativity. We're not trying to make, make our players to be robots and, and like you say, follow each principle to, to the T it's essentially just a guide uh, so yeah. this is what we're looking for so so for example in mine when we get into that final third it's I want you to get into one versus one situations but I'm not constraining how they achieve that it's just a guide to try and be creative and, and do that to attempt yeah. to score so from that this was another bit that I just wanted to add you know we then got these these sections on the pitch called red, amber and green which then also represents you know how we then you know in the red, we know what we do with or without the ball. Yeah. Um, likewise with the amber and the green, which also, and then there's one, two and three, our focus of attacking points. So, you know, really trying to take what all those tactical problems and simplify them in a way that, yes. you know, lads can say amber or green or, you know, hammer. And they've, they've summed up the whole idea, the whole performance vision as such. So, yeah, that's just a, a further point, I suppose. Yeah. One point I, I sort of wanted to touch on as well is, so, when we're thinking about these models, you look at someone like uh, Pep Guardiola, for example. 
he's yeah. clearly got this well-defined way of how he wants to play. And the reason that, and not you, I'm not taking anything away from him, but I, you would say that he's got the capacity to play this, you know, fantastic possession-based style of play because he's got the ability to bring in players like Kyle Walker. He already had players there like De Bruyne, Silva, uh, very clever players that could play that sort of way. I compare that a lot with Louis van Gaal now. 2014 World Cup, he plays this style of play where he does, he does very well with uh, the Netherlands. I think it was five at the back, I, I specifically remember. Then he comes into Man United and he tries to do the same thing and it doesn't necessarily work now. Is that because he hasn't got the same players that have those capabilities? And I think that's yeah. something you've really got to, as a coach, consider what... So Pep, he can do that. I think, to be fair, Pep could probably do it anyway with any player because he's that good a coach. But it really, you know, with the ability that they can just go and buy any player, it really allows him to keep this playing model. And that's probably why yeah, he's progressed yeah. it from Barca to Bayern to Man City. Other coaches don't necessarily have that, that luxury and that's where you've got to really try and adapt it. Yeah, I think it is, like, like what I said, you've got this... You know, don't get me wrong, there's a way that I kind of see and I think it's most enjoyable and I think it's a good way of playing rugby. Mm. But is that always appropriate for everyone that I've got? Perhaps not. You know, if I've got you know, if I've got a bunch of second rows that are, you know, five foot eleven, is it really, you know, how do we then change that around yeah. that you know, that I can then perhaps play play a certain game of am I really gonna send them right up the middle and, and do a certain, you know, <laughs> play a certain way? Probably not. It might be the best way that I want to play rugby. Yeah. But it's not suitable see, to see the rugby, rugby, but it's, yeah. it's just not, not gonna happen. Yeah. Um, so Yeah, and yeah. You know, like we say, a very something you've really gotta remember as a coach, who are you working with? We've talked about philosophies what influences them, talked about our player models, what influences them. So, But I think what we really need to get into is, is what's the use of that player model then? So what, how do we sort of begin to use that model and get our team to sort of play in that vision we want them to play? So yeah. I suppose take it away, Josh. What, what sort of stuff are you yeah, doing? Um, I think what's really interesting is I've, I've watched a lot of, I think yeah, what, what I'm trying to get on is how we, we influence our coaching um, in that, and you watch a lot of things on Eddie Jones, um, the England head coach. Um, mainly, I, I, I like to because you probably say that that's the best example. So, what's he doing that I can take away from that? And he talks a lot about, and even when you see his, his um, coaching sessions, is um, this idea of core basic skills that always works on whether that's under 11s at a local club or that's the England first team. You always need to work on these core basic skills. So. And he does a minimum of 15 minutes every session, which I think is really interesting because you might think, oh, you know, professional footballers or, you know, uh, or certain teams might work on, you know, object corners or, you know, set pieces and things like that. But actually, at England Rugby, for an example, they're, they're just working on their core skills, whether that's tackling, passing, rucking, kicking, all these basic options, which makes you... It, you know, gives you an idea that actually there's always an opportunity to work on them. Yeah. No matter what team you are, it doesn't necessarily have to be these, you know, how are we going to, you know, go and score and penetrate the fence, things like that. So that's a nice idea that I've, I've tried and put into my rugby. And can, can we just develop these basic skills? But then also, how are we then going to go about and teach this um, this performance model? And how does that sort of 
um, look into my into my coaching. So I kind of obviously we, we talk about this idea of a spiral curriculum, which is a nice idea that that you sort of layer on throughout the year elements of your coaching. So um, my my specific is right. How do we as a forward pack set off a right at the beginning? How do we set off um, a nine and ten? For example, so we might call the tank and the can and things mm. like that. Um, so, how do we then set off? Um, and then le- later on, we might then introduce throughout the year what we call a garden. And I know this is all very specific, like it's specific to my team, but it's this idea of how, how do we then throughout the year layer on based on these performance problems. So, how do we then just keep layering? Um, so, how are we then going to revisit? Um, you know, progressing the ball or yeah. um, turning over the ball so that we can then, rather than just doing it all in one choke, this is how we're going to do it right, but now move on to the next thing. It's um, So that's something that we try and follow um, as a club and uh, that's, that's off, often, but mostly set out by Harrison because we, we, we train with the third team. Yeah. Um, so he's got this clear idea of this spiral curriculum that we sort of want to follow. Um, but I think as well, what I think is really important is you've got to be aware of what's going on. Um for example, if we've got this idea of a spiral curriculum and it might be right, really going to focus on our attack now, but week in, week out, we're putting 50 points on the opposition. Um, but actually, we're letting in 30, you know, 30 points every game and our defence is quite weak. Well, are we really then going to focus on our attack as much or does this allow an opportunity for us to, to perhaps change? So, you know, I'm then basing it on the performance problems. You know, or, you know we've gone six games and we've not... You know, we've not scored. We really yeah. need to, to actually nail down our attack, our attacking structure. Do we know what we're doing in the right position? Yeah. So it's a combination of following this this structure that we might set out at the beginning, this this curriculum, but also yeah. being aware that, that things throughout the year change and, yeah. uh, and you know adapting to what we've got, yeah. the players we've got as well. And and that's probably a criticism of the uh, tactical periodization approach that I, I explored in uh, in my blog. Uh, that sort of suggests that you set everything out and you're working on attack for the first couple of yeah. weeks, then you move into attacking transition. But yeah, what that doesn't really factor in is what about the performance then? What about if you've been horrendous in attack, but this week yeah. you've planned to work on defence? Well, and and that's where, like you say, do you adapt? Do you do yeah. you stick with your original plan, your original principles? But then I suppose yeah. as well, that's probably where maybe some adaptations to maybe your vision of the game, maybe where you think, well, actually, my players might not be able to perform this yet and maybe I've got to just break it down even further. Yeah, so, yeah definitely. I think that's, that's implying that, that your vision and your way of playing is, is the correct way. And perhaps, and then, you know, there is this idea of self-reflection and looking in and, and actually your vision and your idea. And um, I, what I mentioned here... Um, you know, it was the idea of this democratic leadership style. Yeah. So being very, um, you know, engaging. And that's what I like to think that I am with, with my players, mainly because, you know, I'm only a year or two older than the lads that I'm coaching. Yeah. I've been in their situation. I don't want it to be, right, well, you know, I'm the coach, therefore this is the way we do it. So, and I'd like to think the later you go in the season, perhaps more rain is given to them. Right, lads, mm. you know, what's working well, what's not working well you know, is this style of coaching that I'm doing working well for you? And, and that often um, might set out how, how we then set certain training sessions, you know, 
oh, at the beginning of the year, we, we started training like this and that was really successful for us. So, yeah. you know, we got a lot out of it. So we base a lot of stuff around that. Um, and we allowed, you know, we, we kind of did that through having this leadership uh, team within the, within the squad. So maybe four or five lads that, that kind of spoke up at the end of training or before training to give a viewpoint of sort of everyone mm. uh, from varied perspectives of how the coaching was going and, and how, how we see you know, progression so that we, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's that team, teamwork. It's yeah. not, you know, you're the leader. This is how we're going to play. <laughs> so, so that was the idea we tried to get behind it. So I've seen a lot of examples of, of coaching or of these templates of how we're going to play. And they almost, they almost blank getting to the end of the season where it's, you know, really we're just going to review what, what's going well and not, what's yeah. not going well. Yeah. You know, um, rather than saying, you know, we're two weeks to go, um, for the end of the season, we're going to nail down the fence. It's like, well, actually, why don't we just look at what's what's not going well and work on that in a way? Um, so, so there is a level of structure, but flexibility as well. Yeah, and and I suppose again, it, it's it's sort of on your context, isn't it? If you're working in, and, and I'll, I'll go back to football because that's all I know. If if you're in a junior football club, you know, do you really need to win every week? So really, then yeah. your model, you you could kind of stick with what you're doing. Whereas if you're working in a performance setting and your your role as a coach is kind of on the line, then that's probably yeah. where you really need to sort of get more into that reflection process around, well, actually, is this working? So, yeah, so, so I, know you, I know you touched on it earlier about you were talking about a shared uh, model. How much do you sort of go through that process then with, with your players of sort of creating that vision together of how you want to play? And, and, and if you have done it, how much... Has it sort of changed with the players' input from your original vision? Yeah, I mean, for example, we've kind of got this, you know, the few terms that are, are sort of very core to the club. So how we play off a nine, how we play off a ten. But then there was something that we introduced, you know, and that was kind of, you know, when we first got the freshers in the beginning of the year, that was something that we wanted to give them because a lot of the nature of these trials and, and the way they just got to play rugby was rather than getting them and doing passing in four nines and, Think that that would be one is just let them go out and play rugby and do it and give them a basic structure to play off so that they kind of all had a, a very you know basic so that was kind of how we started off things and um and, you know but it's amazing by christmas the amount of lads that are you know um calling these calls and, and things like that mm. so i suppose it was we're fortunate enough in the fact there's enough coaches and a lot of the first team and second team lads got involved with with coaching very early on, which allowed us to then split these what was large intake of freshers into very small groups. So actually, what rather than playing, you know, fifteen v fifteen and everyone trying to understand the structure, it might be five v five or six v six, something like that. So you're not seeing the bigger picture, but actually you've got a lot of time on the ball to, to set up this structure. Mm. Um, so that was really interesting, you know, and a lot of credit to, to the lads that came and helped with that. So it allowed them to, to really hit the ground running, these these lads trying to learn structure. And then going on from that, you know, Harrison and I then decided that later on in the year that, you know, um, one of the ways we might then progress that is if, you know, a move called the wave. So how we then have three lads running up through the middle and trying to progress the ball through that. And that was, that was very much input based. You know, we spoke to the, you know, the, the playmakers around it and said, well, what's working, what's not working. We took a few sessions and it wasn't you know, necessarily high intensity. Mm. It was a lot of chat. It was a lot of, does this work? Does that not work? The lads actually trying to run through the ball, you know, 
hang on, I haven't got enough time to run this. You know, we can only run it off here. And it was almost like a walking pace for a lot of it, you know. So that was almost like, a, well, I don't, I don't know it necessarily. Harrison doesn't know if it's going to work. Um, let's try and really walk through it with the lads on the pitch. So it was, it was a varied from this. This is kind of the way we want to play, but also, um, you know, very engaging with them in a way that, you know, to try and to try and work out what does work and how we can progress and actually scrap it. It doesn't work. Let's let's move on to something else. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, and interesting again because I think we had we had a discussion uh, a couple of months back, didn't we, about. You you were talking about really getting players' input for your model. Now, for me, sort of within my context at that time, I was working with 12, uh, 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds. So I would have probably never really even thought about asking them, well, do you want to play this way? Probably more because of the maturity essence and they don't really have the same level of understanding as I have. But I suppose from your perspective, you're working with players that tactically you would expect the majority of them to they have played the game for a number of years, 10 yeah. plus years, the minimum. So they really have that ability to sort of step in and, and give you, not not so much feedback, but sort of coming in and, and trying to really create that shared model then. So just on that yeah. then, is that with it being shared, having no input, did that lead to a more successful performance, not necessarily just from a winning games point of view, but just in performance in general. Or yeah, I think was it, well, we looked at a lot of, and uh, there's times when I look at some of, you know, as a coach, and obviously you want to win, you know, the lad said, you know, even if we're here for a social, and, you know, jolly on a Wednesday, <laughs> we still want to win. You know, they, they, you know, we might not want to do fitness at 7am on a Friday morning, yeah. but, you know, we still want to play a structure in a way that we want to win. So that was kind of an idea of, okay, well, we really need to nail this structure. There's times I was on the side of the pitch, you know, like throwing a clipboard down, like really angry. And then actually, in reflection, we've taken 20 lads together that some of them have put their hands up and said, we're talking about rugby structure. You know, I've never even thought, you know, I get the ball and I run forward. And they've come from those sort of backgrounds, you know, good enough players, but never really. And then you actually kind of go, well, hang on, I've, I've taken, you know, 30 lads as a squad. Some of them have never even understood structure. You know, and there's times when I thought, you know what, so we played some brilliant rugby and we really should have won that game. And then actually go, well, hang on, let's look back to where we took them at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, and look at some of the rugby they're playing. You know, we've done review sessions, we film every game. You know, certain lads come up to us at the end, and Harrison was brilliant with doing a lot of review stuff on, um, you know, right, well, this is a, a scenario in the game, what went well, what didn't go well, and you can either write it out or you can draw it. Um, and then Harrison would then go and do a one-to-one with them. So, you know, actually, you look at how we progressed and they, they now understand this idea of this sort of structure that they want to play. And um, that's what I remember saying to them one of the last few games is, Christ, that's it. look how far we've come. So it was almost that idea of I need to almost remind myself I was in a, you know, really, although we wanted to win and, and get promoted and there was that performance element of it, most of it was development. Can we get them in a position where we've got 30 lads that now understand how Beckett play rugby and yeah. want to play rugby? And, um, so, so it's yeah, it's a combination of two sort of things, isn't it? Really, they they want to win, but also you know if we're going to win, we've all got to be you know playing the same style of rugby. Yeah, what yeah. they what they seem to think is enjoyable rugby as well. So yeah, and like I say, if you've got them to the point where they're playing the same style or a similar style to the first team. 
that's a massive yeah. win for you, isn't it? Especially when you're getting all these players at the start that have come from so many different backgrounds, so many different ways of yeah. playing the game and, and what they've been used to. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah really interesting. So, last thing then, before we finish, because a bit conscious how long we've been going on for. How important then is, and you touched on it earlier, the, the, the concept of uh, common language. So, I, I know at sort of the start of, or, or towards the end of last year, back in September, I was I was trying to teach one of the principles from the attacking transition and it was something along the lines of oh, when we received the ball, uh, the four midfielders spread out and we looked to create space, this, this and this. And I can remember the players just looked at me like, well, and I, and I sort of went back and thought, well, the thing is the language I'm using is just too, you know, high up for them to understand. I'm, I'm, I'm using language that I'd use to a coach. Yeah. And and that's that was sort of a big lesson to me. You, you've really got to sort of make your language, sort of what, what we'd say at uni is contextualised. So so make the language you're using with your players appropriate for their level of understanding. So yeah, yeah, is definitely. that a big thing for you? Or? Yeah, so I might have like a, a perfect vision of how I want to see it. And in my head, that might be it. But for, for one of the lads, it might not, not come as easy. I think we're in a really um, good situation. And my whole time at Beckett has been a okay, case, right, we might be on the pitch for an hour and a half training, but you know the nature and the culture of the club is a lot of the lads live together. Yeah. You know we then go to the pub afterwards and have a beer. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and we actually spend a lot of time with each other. And the idea of if you don't understand things and there's you know draw on the knowledge of the older lads or the people that do get it because we spend so much time together. That actually, okay, we might have three hours on the pitch, but you know, you know. Actually, oh mate, what, what does that tank actually mean? Or what does um, you know, as a you know, a tank or you know, a hammer might mean something different, and it does mean things different from one to fifteen on the pitch. Doesn't mean everyone's necessarily doing the same thing. Um, so actually, oh, you know, mate, what, what am I going to be doing in this position? So that's quite good, and it's it's not necessarily as a coach, it's not always about what I'm doing and telling them as much as it's what are they learning off each other because they there's an opportunity that they spend so much time together, which I think is probably why we grasped the the idea of it so quickly and allow them to to, to learn this sort of um, this common language and this way we play because you know you know they spend so much time they've got this opportunity to learn off each other. Yeah. Um, whether you know whether it's someone that's just grasped it early on or someone that's been there for three years that can explain it. So that's that's a unique situation that we're in, which is I think. You know, part of the success of why it's worked. So, we'll uh, we'll finish it there. <laughs> really, really interesting. Uh, really interesting discussion, Josh. Thanks for your time. Uh, yeah. Really interesting to hear from um, some of the stuff you're doing in rugby. Again, someone that's only played uh, watched three rugby games in his life. Really interesting <laughs> to hear uh, some of the dynamics and, and some of the stuff, and especially uh, with with uni students and, and and sort of what you're implementing there. So, thanks for your time. Really interesting stuff. Uh, thanks for everyone that's viewed. Hope you found it a really interesting tool. Make sure you stay indoors, stay safe. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Sweet. Cheers, mate.